15 minutes could save you 15% or more. My dad used to say that. Sure, yeah. It's from Geico. Yeah, whenever I would ask my dad for life advice, he'd sit me down and say, Son, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. And look at me now, a well-adjusted adult with a drawer full of plastic bags I'll never use. (laughs) Okay, I'm confused. Was your dad a licensed Geico agent? Nah, he was just a real good dad. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast brought to you by Draft.com. Join Draft right now and use promo code DGen and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice when you make a minimum deposit of $10 or more. If you're uh, if you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this is the site for you. Lots of big tournaments coming up this week for the for the players' championship. The best ball for football is coming up. Lots of cool things. It's a great site, so make sure you check out Draft.com. As usual, I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm a little scrambled up this week. My my nine-year-old laptop died, so I'm a little sad about that. But the good news is the guy called me. The data is still okay, so I will be able to continue on right now using a work computer. But we made it work, and we are going to have one hell of a show, my friend. That sounds good, man. Let's talk about this past week, what happened at the Wells Fargo. It was a really, really a great week for Max Homa. Uh, you know, if you look at what he's been through the last couple of years, I mean, he he even said it himself. I mean, he was at rock bottom and then just started digging even more. <laughs> That's how far down he was. If you remember a couple of years ago on the PGA Tour, he, made, he missed 15 of 17 cuts uh, in a season. He only made two cuts in a year. I think uh, – he didn't even crack the top 50 in an event. Uh, I think one of his made cuts was the 71st place. So he's going from that to being, uh, you know, somewhere around 500, 600, 700 in the world to now winning this event, getting that two-year exemption. He seems like a really, really cool guy, um, really down to earth. The top two are both like that. Joel Dahman, um, this guy is a little bit different than your your usual 
golfer you see out on tour. I mean, the thing about him, first off, he's a cancer survivor. So, you know, a lot of things might be more important to him than just being good at golf. And the thing about it, he even said it himself, his goal is not to be the best in the world, not to be a 15-time major winner like Tiger Woods. He just wants a job, you know? And, and, and there's two ways to look at the way he thinks like that. I mean, one, I don't think he'll, with that train of thought, I doubt he'll ever be, you know, one of the elite golfers in the world, but that's not what he wants to do. You know, he even said it in an interview. He just wants to be able to play golf, make a living off of it, you know, and play good. Uh, he's not looking to be the best in the world. And I think that, you know, he can, with that type of attitude, he can go a long way on being on tour for a while. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't bother him as much. Uh, a bad round won't kill him. You know, some of these guys have a bad round or a bad final round when they're in the lead or something like that. And you don't hear from him again for a long time because it takes him so long to get over uh, that mishap. But with his attitude, you know, it's just not that big of a deal. And though I think that attitude won't help him become the best, that's not what he wants. So, uh, you know, it's two, two, two different types of golfers that you normally don't see up on top of the leaderboard uh, this past week, but good for them too. I mean, Dominic's been playing well. Max Home was a great story. And then after that, it was just all the big boys, you know, Sergio, Rory, Casey, Fowler, all those guys just right behind. It was a pretty good event. Um, I enjoyed watching it. What did you think of the tournament? Yeah, you had a lot of the points. I think uh, off for Max, that's all, you know, just talk about grit, fortitude, the resiliency factor, what he went through, you know, easily could have just given up at any time. Uh, not saying he had it in him very clearly, but in general, it's tough when you're going, you know, like you said, missing 15 out of 17, just nothing is going your way. And then to keep grinding through it. And then, like you said, look at the leaderboard. You got him and Dumbin, but then it was, you know, big boys getting ready for the, you know, the schedule's changed. The major's upcoming. The PGA Championship's just two weeks away. You got Rose, Garcia, Fowler, Casey, Vegas, Mitchell, Rory, Reed was up there again. Like, like you had all the guys just come out that were just behind him. So it wasn't like it was an easy field to beat. He just got it done. He didn't look back. And I thought that was, you know, just spoke volumes of him and, and how he is and what his character is. So awesome for him. He gets a lot from it. He obviously enjoyed it as he withdrew from the Wells Fargo yesterday. So uh, must have had a good night right afterwards and decided I don't need to play this week. I'm good. Yeah. So other than that, no, good, good week. I like the tournament. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, one thing I did notice about was uh, Justin Rose. Uh, in his interview, he finished, I think, in second place. Um, in his interview after the round, he said that he didn't have his game the whole week. <laughs> and he finished in second place. That's, that's, that's a pretty good uh, <clears throat> prelude to hopefully what he's going to do with the PGA Championship for himself. I think it's somebody that you need to look at uh, for the PGA here that's coming up you know, in two weeks. Uh, Justin Rose is definitely on my radar for that um other big news you saw tiger today get the um presidential medal of what was it presidential medal of honor presidential medal of freedom Freedom. he got some medal from the president and yeah and no matter your views on our current president right now it's still a huge honor uh to be awarded this 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 medal uh you know you think you got like uh, Jackie Robinson, who's won this before. Uh, Muhammad Ali has won this before. You got Arnie, Jack, Charlie Sifford, who is basically the Jackie Robinson of golf. Uh, you know, the first black golfer to play on the PGA Tour. Uh, Tiger actually um, named his son Charlie after Charlie Sifford, if you did not know. So, I mean, it's a it's a great honor for Tiger. And you saw the emotions play out. Uh, really cool for him. It's good for him, uh, you know, with all the ups and downs he's had uh, in the last decade or so. It's nice 
for him to get rewarded like this. I know some people still don't like him, still think that the past is 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 a is a problem for him. But you know, guys change, and I, and from what I see on the couch, I don't know Tiger personally. Uh, but from what I see on the couch and on TV, it seems like he's a changed man, a better man. It was a good honor for him, and I was really happy to see him get that. He was very, very emotional, uh, you know, talking about his father, his mother, his family, and all that stuff. And it, good for him. Uh, you know, big story of the day. What did you think of that ceremony that they had? I just saw a little bit of it through Twitter and whatnot. Uh, you know, some of the jokes on Twitter, why didn't he have the green jacket on? I thought that was kind of funny. You know, he, he was all dressed up the same as Trump, but... Like you said, anytime you're getting an award like that, I think it was the fifth golfer ever in the history of golf. So, I mean, you know, it, it's only going to happen a very rare amount of times. And, you know, Tiger deserves every bit of it. Forget about the past and forget about those events. They have nothing to do with this award or what he's done in golf uh, or change the the golf nation for all the people growing up and coming into it, you know, the Max Homas of the world. So uh, phenomenal, you know, for him and for the world of golf. And it's only going to keep getting better, I think. Yeah, um, it was definitely an emotional thing. I, you know, it's always good seeing uh, one of your heroes get that type of award, get that type of uh, acknowledgement. And, you know, he definitely deserves it. Tiger changed the game. Uh, if there was no Tiger mm-hmm. Woods, there probably wouldn't be DraftKings. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, there might be. Or DraftKings Golf, at least. Um, you know, there might be. But it wouldn't be where it is now. And the whole game of golf, everyone needs to thank Tiger Woods that is playing right now because these prize purses are huge and it's because of him um so it was good for him uh and i'm happy for him all right so uh anything else i think we just need to jump right in uh for this week i mean there's not too much in the news uh, other than uh the big win by max homa last week and the tiger and so i just say we move on what do you think tam you got anything else to add no i'm good man i think jump right into this week is actually a little bit tougher you'll see i know we got to go through some other stuff first but uh it's a it's a still a pretty tough board this week and, and it's a, an interesting board with a lot of the quote-unquote darlings that we're always used to playing so i'm interested to see where your head's at with it but let's go through maybe the listener league first Oh, actually, you know what? Before we do that, let's actually talk about how what happened last week. So um, DFS-wise, personally for me, I did forget that part. So last week, if you remember, um, I definitely boasted and bragged about how well I've been doing in cash. Like I, I went like on a two-month, like nine-week span of winning in a row. I was all happy. And you, 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 you nailed it on the head last week. Uh, I had my shittiest cash week in fucking forever. I had two of only two of four made the cut. Phil Mickelson shit the bed um, on Saturday. I don't know what the hell happened to him. First time he ever missed a cut uh, at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow in like 15, 16 tries. Uh, so that did not work out well at all. Got crushed in cash. Uh, didn't even get remotely close to anywhere near the green screen. Probably my worst showing of the year. The DFS golf gods like just struck down, you know, great vengeance and furious anger uh, at me for being too big-headed uh, about what happened, what's been happening. So so it humbled me. I'm back on. We'll see, try and improve this week. But the crazy thing is, of course, GPPs did it better. Uh, I, I did a little bit of a different strategy in GPPs. And what I did last week, and I like this. I mean, it's only a one-week sample, so I don't know if this is what I'm going to do forever. But I'm going to keep doing this for a little while. So what I've been doing a lot of the times is I've been rostering my – uh, the the one of the higher um, price golfers, like 11K and above, like one of my favorites, they've usually been my highest owned golfer uh, or one of my highest owned golfers each week. And the thing I realized, uh, it's sort of, it sort of limits how you can do your roster construction when you do that, when you make a lot of lineups. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's worth it. You know, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's not something you should never, ever do. But last week I had Paul Casey 
as my highest owned golfer. And he was $9,500. And what that allowed me to do was it allowed me to get, I think there were seven golfers above, um, uh, above Casey and price. I think it was Webb, Sergio, and then all the big 10 K dogs. And so what it allowed me to do rostering, Casey as my highest own, I had him close to 50%, like 48% own is it allowed me to be able to roster a bunch of those guys up top, you know, from anywhere from 20 to 35%. So I rostered five golfers. I had, I had had like 35% Sergio, 30% Justin Rose, uh, 20% Jason Day, 20% Webb. Um, I'm missing somebody that I had a bunch of also up in that range. And I was overweight on the field on all of them still. Uh, and I was still able to make my lineup. So I think I'm going to keep trying to do that. I mean, it's a little bit harder this week because there's not too many guys that I like um, a lot like that under $10,000 that I would be um, extremely happy about being my highest own. But we're going to try it again. I'm still not 100% sure who that's going to be. Uh, but we'll see how it goes as the week goes on. But I sort of like that strategy because it gives you a lot more flexibility uh, when you make your lineups, especially if you mass multi-enter, you know, you do 100 lineups, 150 lineups. It makes it a lot easier to get um, those top guys, more of those top guys. See, when I roster 50% Dustin Johnson at $11,800, um, you know, that limits who the guys that I can use in the 10K range because I'm going to have so much DJ and, and then doing like a DJ at 11.8 and then like a, a Hideki at like 10.4, 10.5, you know, you, you just, you're eliminating everyone from the 9,000 to the 8,000 range, you know? And so I'm going to keep on trying to do this. I did well. I didn't win, um, you know, but I only lost like 20% uh, of my GPP bankroll, which is great considering what was going on prior to that for the last month or so losing like 60 80 percent of my gpp bankroll uh every week so uh definitely that's something i'm going to try again we'll see how it goes so it didn't it ended up not being the worst week ever i lost a little bit more than 50 percent of my bankroll uh, it could have been a lot worse if my gpps were as bad as they were in the past um so you know hopefully you get the cash back up on uh, how'd you do this past week uh, I mean, that's probably why we skipped it, but I, I was actually the happiest I've ever been to get back like 65% of my buy-ins considering all the guys that just, you know, stopped golfing and said, oh, I don't want to fucking golf anymore. I'm out of here. So Burns, Woodland, and all these withdrawals that we forgot to talk yeah, about. So that weird, people just decide, so weird. They don't want to play. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It just, it happens and maybe they're actually injured and hopefully they're okay. I just laugh that it's like one bad round. I'm out or, or I'm not going to need tomorrow anymore. So I'm out and is what it is it happens that's what we play for i don't care for in the least i just think it's funny when that stuff happens but it's we haven't had that type of week uh, in a long time that i can remember and so just funny to see it happen that way so i was happy to get a little bit back some of the good calls you know with casey with reed uh, not as many people were on those so and i had a lot of those guys and that was uh good for getting back money and then the other thing is just to speak to your strategy i think that's one of the most common questions that i get asked whether it's you know in slack dms twitter whatever you know that just speaks to what you what you just said speaks to the the answer of the question and it is that there's no right answer like you said if you're going to top up on a guy like dj at rbc you know at the canadian open for example then i would understand because then you're saying okay he's going to whoop this field i'm okay with it and again it's all you know it's your risk appetite if you want to call it right like what you're what you're comfortable with but like you said when you roster a 9k guy that that gives you the flexibility when you have tons of lineups that some will start with him 
Some he'll be the second guy in with like a guy that's just above him. Uh, you know, some will have a guy way above him and he'll be the second guy into the lineup to allow all those seven K guys to trickle in. And, and it really depends, you know, player pool size and um, how to build the lineups. People ask about that a lot, but there is no right answer. I seen a guy win, you know, the $5 for a hundred K with 59 people in his pool. And I've seen a guy win it with 19 people in his pool. So, or in their pool. So to me, it's just that, like you said, it's whatever you're comfortable with your strategy that you brought up definitely makes a little bit of sense because it's as far as risk appetite, you're allowing yourself to get more combinations above and below. And you're not so stuck on one guy at the high end where it restricts all the other great golfers around them. So I, I do like what you're doing there. I just think it brings up a good point that a lot of people ask me about. So it's good to hit on that at this time. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I've, you know, I've been rostering a whole bunch of these high-end guys, and I think that's been one of my issues, uh, especially when they fail, and it doesn't let me have uh, enough of the other top guys. And so the, the way I did it last week, I sort of liked it. We're going to try it again. We'll see uh, how that goes. All right, so let's move on to the listener league this week. Uh, Nagels Bagels. Uh, he has been a longtime listener, a uh, big fan of the podcast, been listening for years, been talking to him for years. He, he is, I think this is his second or third time he's won this uh, listener league throughout the years we've been doing this. So he won with a solid 461 points. So one thing, if you do, he's a great follow on Twitter as well. So he's at, at Nagel Bagels. So N-A-G-E-L Bagels, one word. He does a periscope every Wednesday night that revolves around PGA DFS, and it's pretty funny. And there's a lot of information on there, too. So give him a follow. Check out his periscope every Wednesday night. So let's take a peek at his lineup. First off, he has Justin Rose, um, $10,300, 11.5% owned, finished in third place. Uh, Paul Casey, uh, $9,500, 16% owned, finished in fourth place. Uh, it was actually funny. Paul Casey actually beat jo- Justin Rose in score uh, by a point. He had Jonathan Vegas, um, eighth place, $8,200, 17.5% owned. Jimmy Walker, $7,500, 1.5% owned, finishing 45th. Matt Jones, uh, $7,200, finishing 38th, 11% owned. And Bud Colley, $7,100, 4% owned. Uh, tw- top 25 for Bud Collier. What do you think of uh, Nagel Bagel's lineup? I like it. Um, we, ta- we talked about it. He is a great follow. He's hilarious on Periscope. Uh, definitely go check him out. But as far as the lineup goes, it was stuff that you and I had brought up. I mean, I end up using uh, Rose based on just going overlooked. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For who's, you know, the number, in and out of number one in the world and top three at all times, basically, in the past while. So uh, to start with him was fine, in my opinion, when, you know, had Fowler there, who ended up doing great as well in the end. But at the end of the day, Rose did better. So, you know, Rose was good. We talked about Rose, Casey, Stenson, all these guys sort of going overlooked when normally they'd be like at a major for us. Like at the Masters, they all were heavily owned. They they ruined, you know, a couple weeks for a couple people and then they all go away from them. So it's kind of funny. Uh, he pinned them all together. Vegas is another guy I'm high on this year. I talked to you about it um, last pod and we've talked about it with before, but just a guy that's changed his mental state. 
He's going to win. You know, he's trying to win something big. He wants to win something big, and he's really focused on that. It doesn't always mean it's going to happen, but when people put their time and energy into it, I, I believe, you know, like my, my favorite quote, the harder you work, the luckier you get. doesn't matter what you necessarily work on, whether it's physical, mental, short game, long game, whatever it is, you know, from a, from a skill perspective, as long as you're working on self-development and getting better and in, in the right direction, and that's what Vegas has been doing. So the other guys he had were just some, you know, Collie, lower owned, that sort of thing. It was a great lineup overall, but it was anchored by Rose and Casey, which were fine by me. Guys that actually went on tour that have been great this year, you know, that basically hurt a couple people a few times, and now they wanted to go away from them. So it worked out good for him, and congrats to him. Yeah, I mean, he stayed away from the 6K range is one thing I did notice. Uh, one thing about me last week, like I rostered with 12 people above uh, $8,000, I think. And I think 11 of 12 made the cut. The only one that didn't was Phil. I actually avoided Woodland, uh, his withdrawal, because I went Stenson instead. Now, I did have Benny on a little bit. So uh, that was another guy who withdrew. But like, I was so bad. Uh, on the lower plays. I mean, like, usually it's one of my strengths, you know, 7,000, 6,000. I'm usually pretty strong. I rostered 21 golfers uh, under in the 7 and 6K range, and only seven made the cut. <laughs> it was horrible. That's, and I don't, I don't understand. It was awful, but I still didn't do that bad in GBPs, which is sort of crazy. Um, you know, it was a tough week for everyone, I guess. But, I mean, there was still, I, I think, six for six still got, like, 10% close to it. So I don't know. I don't know how it worked out, but it just did. Uh, where I was so piss poor in that lower range, and, and you know, and especially in the six K range, and uh, you know, Nagel's Vegas just went and just skipped that range completely, and I sort of like that play a lot in GPPs, uh, especially in like really weak field events. All right, so let's move on to this week. Of course, we're going to the PGA Tour. It heads to uh, Dallas, Texas, for the Byron Nelson Classic from Trinity Forest Golf Club. Now, after years at TPC Four Seasons, the tournament has switched locations to Trinity Forest, and this new venue is unlike any other course on tour. The course resembles a Lynx course, but without the ocean by its side. Uh, traditional Lynx courses are defended by coastal winds, which play a part in the difficulty of the course. Now, while Trinity Forest has no coastal breezes, the constant Texas winds more than make up for it. Uh, visually, the course looks like it could host uh, an open championship. The rolling terrain, the lack of trees to block the wind, high grass native areas, large bunkers, and expansive undulating greens all give the look of a classic Lynx layout. Uh, weather will play a major factor in how easy or hard the course plays. High winds could make the course play difficult. Even though the greens are large, the aiming points to get an approach shot close are fairly small. Also, if the wind picks up, I would expect golfers to use less than driver off the tee to have more control of their tee shots, which will make the course play substantially longer. Now, last year, we saw light winds for the majority of the week, and golfers destroyed the course. I mean, we did see some winds pick up on Saturday uh, with gusts up to 30 miles per hour last year, but people were still shooting in the 60s back then. So, I mean, we'll see how much the wind plays a factor because this week, this, this week it looks like it could be a little bit windier than it was last year. And last year, um, you know, without the wind, this is one of the five, six easiest courses on tour. Now, since this is a new venue, there is not a lot of solid, reliable info on how the course will be played or what to look for in golfers to succeed, especially with possible soft conditions due to a lot of rain in the Dallas area and maybe some wind. You know, last year there was no rain for the first 
three days uh, and, and prior to the tournament, it was pretty dry. Now, Sunday, there was a four-hour delay with thunderstorms, and you saw those greens definitely uh, got a lot more receptive uh, than they did the, the rounds before when that rain hit. So it could be a lot softer this year. Uh, now, you know, since last year, there was no rain and the winds were light. Relying too much on last year's leaderboard could be a mistake. I mean, we'll see. This is a new course. We really don't know what everything we need to know about the course quite yet. There's not enough sample size yet. So, you know, going light on the bankroll for DFS purposes could be a good idea. Now, you know, I'm obviously a degenerate, so I'll be playing my usual amount, but it's something to think about. All right, so let's get to the course. So Trinity Forest Golf Course is a 7,400-yard-ish 7, um, par 71, with four par threes and three par fives. Two of the par fives will be reachable by most, depending on the win. And the par 5 14th hole will probably be a three-shot hole for almost everyone since it plays around 630 yards and the conditions will probably be soft, so not much rollout. Three of the par threes are fairly long, playing over 200 yards, and the par 3 eighth will be a wedge, uh, you know, wind-dependent wedge for everyone as it plays under 140 yards. The 11 par fours have a wide variety of lengths. The 9th and the 18th hole will both be over 500 yards and play as two of the most difficult holes on the course. Uh, when it comes to DFS, if your golfer is on the cut line coming into his last hole on Friday, you're going to need a little bit of luck to get him through the weekend. Uh, four of the other par fours range from 410 to 430 yards and another four from 440 to 480 yards three of which are on the back nine. The back nine seems like it's a lot tougher. Uh, there is also a risk-reward drivable par four that I'll talk about more uh, in depth here in a little bit. Now, off the tee, golfers will see extremely wide rolling fairways with a lot of humps and mounds you normally see in a Lynx course. The fairway grass is Trinity Zoiza, which is a grass that usually leads to a lot of roll. It was designed specifically for this course to keep up with the Texas tee design at Texas A&M. Um, now, it's supposed to have a lot of roll. Uh, in dry conditions, drives could roll up to 50 yards after landing on the fairway. But with Dallas getting drenched with rain lately, I would expect this to probably be moot this week. There is no maintained rough around the fairway, so if golfers miss off the tee, they have to deal with native areas with extremely tall grass or one of the numerous bunkers surrounding and in some cases in the middle of fairways. Now, with the fairways being this wide, you would think bombers who occasionally spray it off the tee will have an advantage, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I think length will help, but uh, on, on a lot of holes, golfers will need to hit a certain part of the fairway to have an easy angle for the approach. This actually makes the fairways a lot smaller, and on a lot of the drives, hitting it into the right spot actually brings a lot more trouble into play. Uh, this is where the risk-reward aspect of this course comes into play. Uh, in an interview, course designer Ben Crenshaw stated, the closer you flirt with trouble, the greater advantage you gain. Uh, there's many examples of this on this course. Uh, one is hole six. It's an average length par four with an extremely wide fairway. The hole has two bunkers right in the middle of the fairway and another bunker on the left side of the fairway. These bunkers are positioned at 280 to 320 yard range from the tee box, which is prime driver landing yardage. Golfers have three options off the tee on this hole. Hit it on the right side of the fairway, which puts all the bunkers out of play, but leaves a blind and extremely difficult approach at an awful angle to the green. Uh, you won't see many birdies from drives hit on that side of the fairway, and bogeys will abound from tee shots hit on the right side of this fairway. Uh, option two is hitting less than drivers so the tee shot doesn't reach the bunkers. This will lead to a 150-plus yard, 150 yard approach, which is made more difficult by possible windy conditions. 
Um, now, even though the green is large, the landing area to get an approach close is very small due to the many contours and spines the green has. Now, option three is hitting a driver in between all three bunkers on the left side. Now, this brings a lot of danger into play, but if hit correctly, this is the easiest spot to make birdie from. Hitting it here brings all three bunkers into play, along with long grasses of the native area left of the fairway. The landing zone on this drive is by far the smallest out of the three options, but it makes it makes birdie exponentially easier due to the angle of approach onto the green. Now, even though the fairways are huge, the only way to get a realistic chance at birdie on this hole is hitting the drive into a very small window of the fairway. Because of the huge spine in the middle of the, this green, golfers who use option one, the right side, can, that, can land their approach within a yard of a golfer who used option three, the left side, and have a putt that's 50 to 80 feet longer than the golfer who used option, option three uh, off the tee. This hole is a prime example of the risk-reward nature off the tee at this course. Uh, another example of this uh, is the short par four fifth hole. Now, many golfers will try and go for the green off the tee on this hole. The only way for the tee shot to end on the green is to hit the drive barely over a bunker on the right side of the fairway and land it right next to another bunker that's behind and to the right of the first one. This, of course, brings both bunkers into play, and hitting it into either of those bunkers will lead to the dreaded 30 to 50-yard bunker shot that is extremely tough to hit close. Uh, extremely tough to hit close. Uh, now, it could be a little bit easier this week if the, with the softer conditions. Uh, if golfers hit the drive too far over the bunkers and, a and the, the ball will roll through the green and lead to an extremely chi trippy, tricky chip that will lead to some large scores. Hit it too far left of the bunker, golfers will have an impossible up and down. Lay up on the hole, bird birdie becomes less likely, but large numbers will be out of play. So on approach shots, golfers will see huge elevated greens, many of which have an upside down bowl shape on the edge, edges. The third and the 11th hole share the biggest green in the United States at 35,000 square feet. It's basically as wide as a football field. Uh, the greens are usually incredibly firm with lots of crazy undulation mounds and spines. Though with the rain and the forecast, I'd expect the greens to be much softer than normal. Golfers will need to hit it into very small aiming points to get approaches close to the hole. An example of how small the aiming pro point on approaches um, needs to be is on the eighth hole. There's a huge ridge right in front of this large green. If the pin is on the right side, golfers will need to land it on the right side of this ridge to get it close to the hole. If they miss one yard left of the optimal landing spot, the ball will careen to the left side of the green, leaving an 80-plus foot putt over a ridge and straight downhill to the hole. Almost an impossible two-putt. Uh, if golfers go with the flag, uh, the ball will roll off the side of the green, leading to a very difficult chip. Now, the grass around the greens will have a bit more growth than you see on links courses, and they have done this to make golfers think about chipping or putting when scrambling. If the area around the green was mown extremely short, most golfers would just putt it up to the hole, and it would make scrambling a lot easier. Because the grass around the greens isn't mowed all the way down, golfers will now need to think more on whether they can putt it or if they have to chip it. Bunkers surround a lot of the greens on the course and fall-off areas on the front of the greens is a normal thing here. The grass used is champion Bermuda, and the stimp will be around 10.5. It's going to be slow. Uh, Tamba, what stats are you looking for? I think everything you talked about just hit on it, but just to summarize it, I would say it's a, you know more of a second-shot course, so stroke-scanned approach. 
uh, those longer approaches. So, you know, it's all going to depend a lot on weather, like you mentioned, on how how much rollout these guys are going to get with the, you know, it's supposed to have a little bit of rain beforehand. It might get a little bit windier this year. So uh, still longer approach shots. So that proximity 175 to 200, 200 plus range. Birdies are better. I still think some guys will come out of the gate hot, especially if we get the rain the night before. It's supposed to rain a little bit. So, you know, those guys first thing in the morning, not saying a full wave advantage or anything, just talking about having that, uh, ability like I think last year Leishman was the leader at 10 under after the first day if it's anything like that or close you're still going to have to have guys that can score uh, so a little bit of DK points in there if we think the score is going to be higher and then the other thing is um, so, so a good drive percentage like like I, I know that uh, you know there's no I think there's literally one tree on the entire course and the idea is obviously that it's wide open you know American Lynx style but the greens are just so large that I, you know, I still want them, like you said, to be able to come in from where they want to come in so they can get the ball where they need to, to be able to have a chance. And then the last one, sorry, was three putt avoidance. Um, just because the greens are so large, I want them to be able to at least get it in there and two at the worst case. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, if, if the greens are a lot faster, three putt avoidance, would, I think, would be shoot up the chart in stats to look for. But it's going to be slow. But, I mean, I still look at that. A couple of other things that I would look at is uh, – par four scoring it looked like last year um all the leaders really crushed the par fours i mean they did well on the par fives as well but like all of them gained strokes on the par four by a lot uh it's one thing i noticed and then the hardest holes are from 450 to 500 yards the par fours so i'll take a peek at par four efficiency from those ranges as well all right so let's get on with the week let's start up on this top range we have kepka all the way down to mark leishman tambo who you got interesting here um you know, there, there is some value plays, which we'll get to later. So I'm, I'm and then, I, you know, we'll get to this in a second. But just to talk strategy before we get right into it is you got a middle tier where it's going to have guys like a nine thousand dollar Sabatini and eighty nine hundred dollar Kevin Na. Um, so I do think a lot of people are going to go to this range. And for me, it's tough. Uh, it looks like Matsuyama is going to be very popular early on just from checking models. And, you know, I also think that because such a small sample size is just one year, a lot of people are going to auto default to. Well, he came 16th last year. Leishman came second. So if we're talking from 10K and up, as it stands right now, the guys that I actually like the most here are Brooks Kepka. If Matsuyama is going to be extremely high owned, and it, and it goes back to last week where I said, if I got Matsuyama at these prices, like 11K Matsuyama, I don't care how good his stats say he is, his last five results are 31st, 32nd, 24th, 8th, and 33. The guy is not known to be a great putter. If he gets hot, of course, but at 11K, why would I not just pay $400 more and get Brooks Kepka? Spieth, way too expensive at 10.8. Don't know why he's up at that price point. Maybe it's the hometown narrative, whatever, home course narrative, I should say. Uh, the other guy I like here a lot is actually Stenson. And it's only because, again, I think a lot of people are going to like Leishman because he got second here last year and he suited for it and whatever. But for just 300 bucks more than Leishman, you know, their last results, you got Stenson 28, 36, 9th. You got Leishman 58th, 49th, 9th. I still think Stenson's the better golfer all around regardless. I love Leishman when he's like 8K, 8,300 at the majors. His stats, again, are going to pop more than Stenson's, but it, it's not really that crazy of a difference. And I just like Stenson more. So I'm way off the board this week, I think, from what the general public's going to go with here. But I like Brooks and I like Stenson. Who do you got? Uh, you know what? Stenson's my favorite play up here. Um, now, okay. here's, the, here's the thing about Henrik. If you, if you go on Fantasy National right now, 
uh, Fantasy National Golf Club. It's a run by Musonomics. You need to check it out. It's definitely worth the subscription. Um, I, I I plugged in easy scoring relative to par and easy fairways hit. Uh, you know, and, and in the last fifty rounds played, Stenson is number one in this model. Um, he's third in DraftKings points in this model. Now you go to the regular, not sticking in those things because it's, you know not sticking in the easy the filter, the easy to hit fairway filter and the easy scoring filter. Uh, he's like thirty six. So it's, it's a pretty big big difference. I mean, this is if it plays like it did last year and it's an easy course with easy fairways. I mean, he's number one in my model. Uh, I think people will overlook him. Uh, you know, he's been re- really strong on par fours uh, on easier courses and stuff like that. Avoids bogeys really well. Third in DraftKings points, really good at long par fours uh, also. Uh, so I think Stenson is going to be one of my favorite plays here up top. I, now, when it, the other two guys I'm looking at are Kepka and Decky. And I, I tweeted something out the other day. What do you do with Brooks? Like, does he really care about non-majors? Now, looking at some of his numbers, let me um, let me take a peek here. I got, I got some of his numbers here. Uh, maybe there we go. So, since the 2017 U.S. Open, uh, where he won, he's won three majors and only one PGA Tour event. He's had four top threes in majors. Why? When you can. Why? When you can. Taste the thrill with Coca-Cola and Six Flags. Save up to 50% on tickets with promo code Coke at SixFlags.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. And only four top threes in PGA Tour events in 23 times played. So four out of 23 top threes. And then top 10s, he had five out of seven in majors, seven out of 23 top 10s um, in, non, in non-major events, PGA Tour events. Now, you know, 30% top 10 rate, that's good. That's good. But you look at, like, the top guys, like Justin Rose, I think in the last couple of years, he's, he's top 10 64% of the time. Uh, you look at Dustin Johnson, uh, he's top 10 over 50% of the time in his last 100 events. Um does is Brooks going to show up? Uh, so I think what I'm going to do, and I have no idea. I have no idea if he's going to show up or not. You know, I mean, talent wise, he's the class of the board without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. He's the best player in this field by leaps and bounds. Um, now the ownership thing is going to be tricky for me. Like, do, do you think Hideki's going to be higher owned than Brooks Kepka, Tambo? Feels like it. Early on, anyway, it just feels like people want to play Decky because he's the approach guy. He's made he you know he makes all his cuts. He actually cares. Brooks doesn't care. Brooks only waits for majors. I, like I said, it will all come down to that. But I guess my thing is that I don't really care about either of them. 
I'm just saying if I'm going to click one of these two into my lineup at those prices, like I don't like Decky, if he shows up, then good. Good for him. He never shows up. The Bridgestone is the last time I can think of the WGC Bridgestone like two years ago when he showed up and just had a nine under Sunday and goes on to win. Like the guy is a 30th place golfer all the time. I'll probably eat these words, but guess what? 11K is too damn expensive. I'll either play Brooks and just say, I'll take the win equity. And I think Brooks is way better. And if he does show up, maybe he decides it is time to show up. Like you said, DJ shows up all the time. And yes, he fell apart one week, just a couple weeks ago, but that was after competing in the masters. So man, Brooks got to show up at some point. He's 11, four. I'm not paying 11 for deck. Even Brooks is right there. But what I will say back to why I was saying, look at this as an overall theme and what people are going to do. Nobody wants to play what we're going to get into next. A lot of these guys at these crazy prices, and they're just going to find a way to go up to this range. And I think there's a, you know, something to be said for starting with a Stenson or starting with a Leishman and going down before playing these top three guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing Spieth. Uh, I, I don't know what to do with the two up top. I think it's going to be based on ownership. If I see that if I see that Matsuyama is going to be higher owned than Brooks Kepka, I'm playing Brooks without a doubt. Uh, but you made a very valid point. I mean, like, do you really play? Do, do you really want to play, even with ownership involved, who would you rather play, Brooks Kepka or Hideki Matsuyama? And there's so many other different factors when you take into that account. You know, will he care? Is he going to be able to do it? And there's just so many questions. I'm having a tough time. I'll just play Brooks because because if, because if I feel like Hideki does care always and he still doesn't show up. So that's my issue. Uh, yeah, on Brooks, yeah. yes, you are taking a massive risk. We're spending too much time on it. But I guess just to, so people know is that you are taking the risk, of course, but it's a GPP. I guess the better question to flip back is, okay, if you find out Hideki is going to be 15 and Brooks is going to be 17, then what do you do? It's the same scenario. You just have to pick one. Yeah. It's like yeah. zero and two or, or 15 and 17. You still got to pick yeah. one. I'm taking Kepka and hoping he decides to show up because when Decky does show up, you get 31st, <laughs> you get 32nd, you get 24th, you get 33rd, and those ain't going to pay the bills at 11K. Yeah, I, I don't hate that train of thought. You might you might have just won me won me over for Brooks Kepka being my second guy up here. But Stentz is my favorite. That's the guy I'm going to play the most. Here. All yeah. right, so let's move down to this 9K range. Two of my cash game cornerstones are going to be in this range. Of course, I'm going to start, um, you know, I'm trying. This is another week where once you get below like $7,500, $8,000, the talent level is like way. Actually, once you get past like the the, the $9,000, the $9,500 level, the talent level drops a lot. But, you know, we're dealing with what we have. So my first cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Aaron Wise. Uh, at $9,400. His game has looked like it's been uh, on the upswing here recently. Uh, a couple of top 20s, I think, in his last couple of events. Uh, you know, winner here last year uh, in, in good form coming in. So I do like Aaron Wise, you know, big-time birdie maker, good on long par fours, long enough off the tee. So I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Wise as my first cash game cornerstone pick. My second one's going to be Keith Mitchell. At $9,100, Bermuda Killer Keith. We're on Bermuda again. Champions of Bermuda. The guys just crushes it uh, on Bermuda like we saw last week. Another uh, top 10 for Mitchell. I think I think he had finished top 10 last week. Am I right? I, I could yeah. be wrong. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and overall his game is strong. Really good tee to green. Um, you know, top 10 and Braves are better game in this field in the last 50 rounds. Long enough off the tee. Crushes par fives. Good on long par fours. So those two are my first two cash game cornerstone picks in this range. Um, I'll probably play a little bit of Brandon Grace. Uh, his form looks a little better, even though the results haven't really been there. Uh, again, another guy 
who I, I feel like this is the type of course that he can do well at, where there's not too much danger off the tee, I mean, and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Brandon Grace here. Other than that, I'm not the biggest fan of anyone else. Uh, Sun J.M. worries me a little bit just because of his, uh, his, his, his main weakness on the tour has been his long irons, uh, if he has a weakness. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of long iron play here, especially if it's going to be uh, soft conditions without very much rollout. There's probably going to be more long irons here than last year. Uh, and there was a ton last year, too. I mean, I'm thinking more than 50% of all the approach shots came from over uh, 175 yards. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about him. I don't know what to make of Reed. I don't think I'm – I don't know if I'm going to roster him. Uh, and Sabatini, 9K is just so much for him. Now, you look back at him last week, and, you know, he shot five under, finished top 25 or something like that. Five under doesn't seem that great. But he was five over after the first round. So the last three rounds, he finished 10 under. Uh, so, he, you know, he had a really, really strong uh, last three rounds. Um, but I don't know if I can – stomach paying him uh, playing him at nine thousand dollars who do you like in this range yeah i think what you just said is and i hinted at it earlier that's going to be the thing and the theme of the week because it's funny but when you look at these guys here so you know m didn't play here last year but if you go wise won it grace third mitchell third sabatini 13th nah sixth Howell ninth, like all these guys are the ones that actually competed here last year. And again, like I said, I'm not just going to go on that because that'll have ownership involved and I'll go through a couple pivots here in a second. But it is just funny to see that, like I said, I really feel like everyone's just going to try and pay from Leishman and up and forget that this is actually all the guys that can come out here and already have and actually are in pretty good form. You know, Mitchell just got eight, yeah. Sabatini 18th, nah, coming off a 10th last time out. You know, all these guys have been playing pretty decent golf and they're all, and they all fit the course uh, and they're in this range. So I'm going to load up on this range actually, because like I said, I already basically gave away my strategy for up top. I, I'm not super high on that. And it's only if the week goes on and somehow Matsuyama's only going to be 10 because, you know, percent on because everyone's doing the same thing, you know, then maybe in like my 150 lineups, but like, I just don't like that play. So it won't be very much if I go there. Um, my first T3BO is actually going to be off of Aaron Wise. Uh, I just know he's going to be popular. You just brought him up for good reason. Literally won here last year. Not just that that's tough to do because we've seen Berger and Casey go do it at their courses and, and come out the next year and win. So it's not saying he can't do it. But I don't know if you remember last year. I certainly do. Uh, the look on Leishman's face, like how can this guy just make every putt? And remember, Wise was just dropping. I think Wise gained over six strokes putting on the week. Um, he could not miss uh, on this course. So I don't know if that's going to continue for him. I remember Leishman's face being like, how is this kid doing this to me? Because he thought he had it as a shoe-in. Um, and the guy I like is who you mentioned, Brandon Grace. Uh, had a great result here last year. He, he's not a world beater by any means lately with his recent form, but he makes cuts. It's a course that suits him as far as course fits concerned. Uh, you know, those low rollers, if he gets it going that way, depending again on weather. But uh, I like him a lot, actually, at 9,200 as a guy that can compete here. He's a little bit of a differentiator. I'm going to use him against Wise just because I know Wise is going to be highly owned. Um, but I do love Mitchell with you. And I, I mean, you could make a, a case for starting with Grace and putting Mitchell in with him, or you could also pivot off Mitchell some too, because he'll be popular, but I'm with you on Mitchell. I think he's a great play here. Uh, I'm going to continue to follow him up. I don't think it's just fluke on what he's been doing or results last year, anything like that. Uh, he he is killer Keith for a reason. And, and I expect to get the same out of him here. Uh, I like him. I like Sabatini only because. What are the, 
One thing, about, one thing about Mitchell, one thing that's impressed me about Mitchell is you see a lot of these guys win for the first time that are young guys, straight off the web. Uh, they win an event or their younger guys are having won or they've been on the tour for a while and they get their first win. Um, a lot of them just sort of fade for a little bit. You know, we saw it with Woodland last year, although uh, he had some personal issues involved with that. Um, you know, you see it with like, you know, Adam Long won here. You haven't seen him again. Um, Mitchell keeps on firing. You know, I mean, he's still up there. It's like he's not resting on his laurels uh, after that win. And I really respect that about him. So I like him a lot. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's going anywhere as a player. And that's why. And and I remember when he got uh, he bubbled the web um, finals. He got 26 and he knew if he made the chip, he was good. And it didn't it just didn't go in. It was a tight chip from around the green. And you could just see it in his face. But the fact, again, like it's all these guys, this this grit, this fortitude that they have to be able to just battle back. If you can do that in you know, life in general, but in golf, like these guys have to. It's an individual sport. I saw today on Twitter, you know, the guy that runs the Monday Q account. I don't know if you've seen that, but he talks about, you know, guys talking to him about every Monday Q is like $1,000. And I love golf. Take a break from picks for one second um, for, for the reason of DFS golf being so comparable to real golf like these guys are buying into a thousand dollar queue basically when you look at you know their their gas their gas fuel flight hotel everything to get into this qualifier to then have to get in to the event like Corey connor's a few weeks ago to then move on and then change their life it, it's no different than you know there's guys right now this week myself included going to try and qualify for this 3180 on DraftKings for for beth plage black for the PGA championship where you can go on to win 200,000, which is, you know, solid money for quite a few people. A lot of people listen to this pod. It's life-changing money. It's no different. It's a very similar situation. So these guys got to grind. And that was an example with Mitchell where he had that happen to him and he could have just packed it up and said, no, it's not meant to be. I'm not going to win tournaments anymore. That's the bottom line. Or you can go back to the, the drawing board, figure it out, get there, get it done, shove one down Ricky and Brooks's mouth and then carry on. Like you just said, and not look back. So long-winded ramp, but I love Mitchell this week, and I'll stay with my guy here. So Mitchell, and then what I was going to say earlier was Sabatini, is that just to your point of what you said, no one wants to play him at 9K, I really can't see that changing. I can't see that somehow magically turning around because of a few pods talking about him or whatever, but I still think he's been in great form. He performed here last year. He's got the stats that suit it. To me, he's still a good play. It's just you got to build that balanced roster. I don't like going... Kepka Sabatini and then a bunch of low-end guys I want to use Sabatini in a lineup with Mitchell and some of these guys in this range that we're going to talk about to try and get that balance build where they all have a solid floor with high upside uh GPP only but but I still like Sabatini at at that price if no one's going to be on him a couple more guys just to run it through because I told you I'm heavier on this area so I'll have less to say later uh I do like Ryan Moore uh, again, just stats wise, recent form pops a little bit for me. I, I like him. I like RCB, uh, similar reasons. And then I like Piercy and Peters just to round it out with, without spewing on what, what do you got here in the bottom range, Kenny? Yeah. Yeah. In, in this AK range, uh, I have another cash game cornerstone. It's, it's Rafael Cabrera Bayo. Uh, I mean, I think he's really cheap for this event. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think he's a better golfer. Then Beauregard or Beerguard, Moore, Nas, Sabatini. You know, I think he's better than all of those guys in price below him. I think he's, you know, and so um, yeah, I, I think his price is too low. I, I think he, he makes a lot of cuts. I, I don't see he's. I don't see any reason why not to play him in cash now. Uh, in GPPs, it could be twenty 
22 to 26 percent owned it could be very very highly owned so i could see if you wanted to fade him there uh but he's going to be my third cash game cornerstone in this range i do like ryan Moore, like you said i i'm sort of in charles how the third uh this week as well i mean if you look back i can't i can't remember the last time he missed three cuts in a row uh it's it, it has to have been a long time ago uh, the guy just doesn't miss that many cuts in a row. So I expect him to, to make this cut. He's one of the stronger par four golfers out there. And like I said uh, in, in the uh, in the in the rundown, uh, par four scoring seemed to be super important uh, last year here. He also avoids bogey. He's top 10 in drafting points. So I, I, I'll get back on the Charles Howell, the third train, even though he has two missed cuts. And I'm a big fan of Ryan, uh, Thomas Peters as well. Uh, I like his length. Uh, his approach game has been good on the PGA Tour. I haven't really looked at his Euro stats, but on the PGA Tour, uh, he's been, you know, every time he comes out, his iron game is usually sharp and on point. He's long enough off the tee, uh, really good in the longer uh, proximity ranges. His longer irons are solid. So I like Thomas Peters. One guy that sort of catches my eye is Ryan Palmer. After his win uh, with John Rahm um, at the Zurich, I mean, you know, he's an older golfer. I don't think you have to worry about him. Um, not being motivated. I mean, I think if anything, this would give him more motivation to go out and play even harder because he doesn't have the, the, the pressure of, uh, he has job security. Now he has, you know, two and a half years now guaranteed on tour after that win. And that goes a big way because Ryan Palmer has always been sort of an aggressive golfer. Um, you know, lots of drivers off the tee, you know, going for pins. And I think that, you know, that would make his aggressive play. It has to be made easier with him knowing in the back of his mind that he is set for two and a half years. So, you know, he makes a ton of birdies, a really good par four score, fourth in draft king points in the last uh, 50 rounds in this field. Iron game is strong. Um, I think Palmer could be a sleeper here. And I know a lot of people don't like to use a guy after they win, but I think he's, he's on board. We saw what, what happened with Kucher after he got that win after years and years of not winning. He's having his best season ever at 42, 43 years old. Ryan Palmer's the same age. And maybe we could see some type of renaissance in his career as well after that win uh, helped by uh, Mr. John Rahm. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of him as well. So let's move on to the 7K range. I'll just go ahead and do my final cash game cornerstone pick. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a risk here um, with my final cash game cornerstone pick because, like I said, this 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 field is not the strongest. So I'm going Scotty Scheffler, $7,900, a web.com player. He's only played two PGA Tour events this season. Now he didn't make the cut on both of them Had a top 25 at the Valero, uh, his last time out uh, on the PGA. But the thing about him is he's been literally crushing the web.com tour lately, four straight top sevens, a couple of runner ups, seven top sevens this year in like, I, I don't know, 12 events, 11 events. There's the guy's just dominating the, uh, the web.com tour. And if you look at his stats, um, from the web.com, they're really strong and could correlate extremely well to this course. He's 12th in the in the web at driving distance, hitting averaging 313 yards a drive. He's actually top 45 in driving accuracy as well. Uh, top 30 in greens and regulation. One of the best putters on the web.com tour. Um, I think he birdies something like 44% of the time. Uh, second highest birdie average um, on, on tour. Um the guys could be the real deal. Uh, and so it's it's a little bit of a risk because he's not a full card-carrying PGA Tour member. I don't remember the last time I've ever – I don't think I've ever 
rostered a non-PGA Tour member, uh, maybe other than like a Euro guy um, in cash. But I'm taking the risk because I like his game. I think it'll fit this course. I think he'll surprise. So my four cash game cornerstone picks for this week are going to be Aaron Wise at uh, 9,400 or is it 9,300? Aaron Wise at 9,400. Keith Mitchell at 9,100. Rafael Cabrera-Bello at 8,600. And Scotty Scheffler at 7,900. Um, other guys I do like in this top part of the 7K range, not many, uh, but I do like Trey Mullinax, a little bit longer guy, really good at par fours, good with his long irons, solid tee to green game, solid iron game. Um, I, 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 pro- I Daniel Berger sort of sticks out to me as well. I never roster Daniel Berger, uh, but I think just looking at looking at his stats in that in that condition model where it's a you know easy course. Uh, to score on easy fairways hit. Um, he's like seventh in my model, fifth in DraftKings points uh, in his career in those type of situations. Uh, and so I think it's something that I can go on. His iron game is always good in, in these easier courses. So I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of Daniel Berger this week as well. Who do you like in his upper 7,500, upper 7K range? Yeah, so we don't talk beforehand. So that's what happened um, with my second T3PO there. It got overlooked, but you did the selling for me. Um, it's basically, I was going to, I was wondering if you're going to be on Scheffler or not. I think uh, people are talking about him because of his web success and, and just ability and overall skill set. Uh, I mean, he's just crushing right now, like you said, but I actually love Palmer. So my second was Palmer over Scheffler for all the reasons you said, and the stats that he pops in were, you know, approach, uh, opportunities gained, the long range irons, the birdies are better, the DraftKings points, the part fours in the, in the long range that you have there. So that said, a lot of people saying, you know, oh, Rom carried him or whatever. I, I think he'll be more motivated, to your point, uh, coming out from that win than than others. And I think he's a fine play. And I don't think as many people will take him with guys like Knox, Scheffler, Harding, Spawn, all these guys getting mentioned there. So uh, I like Scheffler, but I really think if he's going to get popular, that Palmer, and that's why Palmer's my second T3PO of the week. Um, going down from there, a couple guys mentioned. So I like Mullinex, like you said. I like Berger, like you said. But then I like some other guys in this range. One I thought you would mention, Kenny, as the Texas narrative and the guy, another, he had a sixth place here last year, making cuts this season, five straight. Jimmy Walker at $7,700. I'll bring him up again later. But what was your take on Jimmy Walker this week? Uh, you know what? He pops in my model. I was definitely going to use him, but he's not one of my favorite plays up here. I mean, he's top 10 in my model. Uh, just looking at it, especially on these easier type courses, uh, he does seem to excel there. Um, so yeah, I have no problem with him. Yeah, I feel I feel like he's one of the you know classier golfers down in this range, and he's one of the ones that I, you know are, is mixed in with all these what I mentioned earlier, the quote unquote darlings, you know the 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 Schefflers, the Spawns, the Mullinexes, the Tways, you know Fratelli, all these guys. Now I like Fratelli. Uh, Jones and KH Lee. That's the other three guys in this range that I like. Uh, and then we drop down below that $7,500 range. So I'll let you take it over. But uh, I do think Walker, if he's going to be low owned, is a better play in this range than all those other golfers. It's kind of like you made a good point with RCB earlier with all the other guys around him. He's just, to me, it's more more of a class golfer in what's not a very strong field. And then there is reasoning behind him, not just because if he's going to be low owned, you know, he's making cuts, stats do line up in some cases, Texas narrative, sixth place here last year, comfortable. Uh, I feel good about Walker at just $7,700 for floor and upside. Yeah, I can go with that. 
Uh, now, in this bottom range, um, one guy I do like here is uh, Nick Watney at $7,400. Again, another guy, when you plug in that easy fairways to hit easy scoring on Fantasy National, he pops. Like, he's been really good uh, on easier courses with easier fairways. The long irons have been solid, really crushing the par fives. Top 15 in DraftKings points um, in those 50 rounds. Tons of birdies. So I do like Nick Watney uh, there at this range. I'm going to give Wyndham Clark another chance after he screwed me last week. Uh, hopefully his length can go a little bit way, go, can help him out uh, again this week. And especially since the fairways aren't that narrow, not like they were at the Wells Fargo, a little bit more wide open. He could spray just a little bit more. Uh, now it just, it just depends where he sprays it because of course, like I said earlier, you have to hit certain spots, but he's so long that, you know, even if he hits it on the wrong side, where he should be on the fairway, he should be having a very short iron onto these greens. And if the greens are receptive uh, and, and soft, like they, they should be with all this rain, I think he can do well. Um, I, I sort of like Ollie Snyderjans uh, at $7,200, a good long iron player. He's been one of the better, you know, 200-plus players here the last couple of years. He had a decent performance last week. Uh, so I do like him um, a little bit. I do like Bo Hostler, a little bit of hometown narrative. Uh, he knows this course pretty well. He's a member here. Uh, that could give him an advantage, especially, you know, since a lot of these guys have not played this course before. Uh, and Adam Schenk, um down there at um, $7,000. Uh, the, the stats have just been popping for him on stuff that I've been looking for uh, this week. Good approach game. Uh, good from 175 to 200 yards. Solid par four player. Uh, so I do like Adam Schenk. Who do you like in this bottom 7K range? I'll start and see. You didn't mention him, so now I'm worried, but I've seen a lot of talk today about him. Is Brian Stewart popping in everybody's model uh, at 7,400 because of his recent approach? He does actually have pretty, you know, on a model, he's got overall pretty good stats, uh, and he's coming off a 16th and a 4th. So I think some people are going to play him, but I'm actually going to do similar to you. You, you said you're going to go back to Clark. My third and final T3BO is I'm going to go back to Poston. Uh, I still like everything about posting from last week. It, it didn't work out. Obviously, he didn't make the cut, but uh, he's the guy that I'm willing to go back to here over top of uh, Brian Stewart if people are actually going to go that route. Now, if Stewart, you know, like I said, he looks okay. I just I can't play him at high ownership. So, uh, you know, he's one, two tournament results, a guy that's just started popping for people. That doesn't give me enough ammunition to say, okay, I want to be on this guy if he's going to be high owned. So I'll run through them quick. The first one is Grace over Wise. The second one is Ryan Palmer over Scotty Scheffler. And the third one is JT Poston over Brian Stewart. Uh, other guys I like in this range, you mentioned Ollie, love Ollie. Uh, Bo Hostler I had as a, you know, a little nick beside him just because I think that hometown narrative may be something. And he's a guy that you know has or had big upside that we haven't seen yet or, or seen lately. So uh, he, I like him. Um, Troy Merritt is popping in my stats a little bit, but you know, maybe he's the bad play. I, I just, I don't mind him cause he's only 7,100. And then Scott Stallings is still showing up for me as well. Um, so Scott Stallings. And, and then lastly, I should say there is one more and you mentioned him though, is Shank. Uh, I'm going to stay on team Shank and you know, if it buries me, it buries me, but this guy's constantly showing up when we need him to still has everything that adds up for here with the length stats wise, everything there. So uh, he's popping quite a bit from the, you know, long irons opportunities gained, 
birdies are better, DraftKings scoring. Like it's just everything you want, especially if we see how that weather shakes out this week. And if it's going to be beneficial to that, then going to have even more than him than I probably should at 7,000. Yeah, one guy I did miss was Bud Colley. I do like Bud Colley. Uh, again, another guy, when you put in that uh, model with the easy scoring and the easy fairways to hit, that he pops. Uh, so and he, he's coming off a pretty good performance last week at the Wells Fargo. I think he did pretty well here last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but uh, I, I like Bud Colley as well here in the 7K range. All right, let's move to this 6K range here. Tambo, why don't you go ahead and get started? Hmm. Yeah, not very many. Um, one, yeah, one guy I like and I'll go back to it, it's so it's so sad but I like I said I don't really like the builds that involve this so uh, and even more so this week because we're so unsure at the top but uh, Hank Lebiota you know talked about him last week uh, you know I'll go back to him he didn't do anything crazy at, at you know the, at Wells Fargo there T50 but uh, for him again just 6700 sort of sets up on that length factor again that we all all the same stuff we were using last week for him all suits here birdies are better dk scoring decent drives like he can put it out there uh he pops for me a little bit and then going down from there there's not much uh Naus is a guy at 6600 he's coming off of a 13th the 63rd and a 22nd stats pop a little bit for me um the two that I'm not sure on here one is Lashley uh, you know, he was popping for some people last week, didn't actually gain the ownership, and he's only 6,300. Got a 32nd here last year, did okay at the Wells Fargo, wasn't anything great, but at 6,300, a made cut is going to do enough. And then the other guy is um, Jarena's husband, um, Martin Piller, down here at the stone minimum, 6,000. Doesn't play a lot, but when he does, he normally makes cuts. Uh, he lives like 45 minutes down the street from the course. Uh, so it sort of suits that narrative, and he got 21st here last year. So 6000 for him, interesting, got in late after some of those withdrawals, uh, and I think he'll be all right for a tournament for, for 6000 Who do you got, Kenny? Uh, down in this range, there's a couple of guys. I sort of like DJ Trahan at uh, $6,900. He's long enough off the tee, um, you know, good at long par fours, good at par fives, uh, makes enough birdies. Uh, that's one guy I'm looking up in there in the top of this range. I do like Hank Lebiota, just like you do as well. Other guys, um, where is he? Fabian Gomez. Um, I'll probably play him a little bit this week. Uh, I do like him. He had a good showing here last year. I do like it's Knaus. You do pronounce the K with Jim. So it's Jim Knaus. Uh, I, I'm a fan of him as well. Um, other guys that I do like in this range that we haven't really talked about, uh, Hudson Swafford sort of pops for me here. Uh, I, he hasn't had the best season at all yet, but you know he's a guy that has a tour win, good at long par, four, uh, good proximity stats with his long irons. Uh, another guy that has Lashley is another guy who I liked a lot this week at 6,300. You talked about, um, you know, the thing about him is his iron play is good. He's actually first in the field in proximity from 200 plus yards in the last 50 rounds. That's pretty impressive for a guy this cheap. And that's going to be a very, very important part of people's games this week, those long irons. So, you know, when you're looking at these guys down below in the 6K range, guys that are good with the long irons might be somebody that you think about. Um, other guys that I do like, uh, Josh Teeter. Um, at $6,500, he popped for me a little bit, especially when you put in the uh, the easy um, fairways, easy um, scoring. He sort of pops up here. Uh, good stats. 
really makes lots of birdies and a ton of opportunities gained uh, in those types of situations. He's long off the tee, top 20 in uh, DraftKings points in those situations in this field uh, where it's easy scoring and easy to hit fairways. Um, yeah, that's probably about it. Uh, I do like that Martin Pillar call. I didn't even think about it, but uh, I'll probably play him as well. All right, so did we miss anyone? No, I think we Tony said Romo? too many, but that's okay. <laughs> it's just, the mid-range I really like this week, so I wanted to, to harp on that. But uh, like you said, all these guys down here just dart, see as the week goes on. Uh, unless I see something that tells me later in the week with weather or with – uh, you know, these top three guys in Kepka, Matsuyama, Spieth, those sort, or even Stenson, the guy we like, if they're going to be super low owned because everyone does convert to a balanced strategy, uh, then in my 150 lineups, I will convert to playing some of these guys and mixing in some of the bottom guys. But you can also use some of the bottom guys that we talked about and, and use some of those balanced guys with them and mix it up that way too. So that's it, man. That's all I got. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, even if you go, ba- even, even if you go balanced, uh, say you don't – roster a golfer over 10k uh you can still roster a 6k guy and just have more guys up top that are like eight nine thousand dollars which is not really a bad thing all right so why don't you get us on to the betting segment here tambo for sure yeah bet, bet segments betting segment is sponsored by bet betql.co go down there go download the app you can get it for iphone you can get it for android uh, essentially looking at three main things uh, tracking the line movements, so in one place, so you can see all the biggest line movements on the day. Uh, you know, NHL, NBA playoffs, all going on right now. When NFL comes back around, uh, it's got all the best bets as far as value trends are concerned. So you can see what their best values are for the day. If you agree, go that route. And then the last thing is you can see the public betting trends in real time. Uh, so go there, download the app, betql.co. Brought to the same people that brought you RotoQL. Uh, as far as bets go this week, Kenny, I got. Only three bombs as of right now, uh, and I talked about most of them when we went through. Uh, the first one's Walker. Uh, like I said, I just feel he's too class for down there, and he was at 90-1. to 1. I don't know if he's still there, but I got him at 90-1 to 1 with the each way. The other guy, I didn't talk a lot about him, but I do like him this week. Uh, we sort of, like I said, I didn't want to talk too many in that range, but I do like Matt Jones uh, quite a bit, even at 7,500. But at 90-1, to 1, uh, that's another guy I like with the each way. And then you mentioned him, and I also really like him as Ollie. And Ollie is at a hundred to one with the each way. Might even be better in some places. So I'll also throw him on the card. But I'm probably going to throw someone up top. Like I'm not sure if some of these guys in the twenty-eight to fifty range. I'll probably get at least one or two of them and just play it light this week because it's uh, not not a big sample size to go off of. Uh, and like you said, it's just it's right before a major. There's so many things that are happening right now that it's a little bit more uncertainty than usual. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my, I'm actually going up top for the first one. It's going to be Leishman at 28 to one. I just feel that that number is too large for his talent in this field. Uh, that was the first number that popped for me. That, that, and the RCB number. Uh, the RCB number 45 to one seems crazy too. Uh, in this field, I know he hasn't. Won. I might join you on that uh, one. Yeah, that, that yeah, might be the yeah. one I, I tag along on. Yeah, RCB 45 to one. Those, those are my two up top. Uh, down below, I like Ali 100 to one. Uh, Shank 125 to one. And I'm going to throw a deep flyer on DJ Trahan at 250 to one, probably a top 20 bet on Trahan and a top 10 on Shank and Ollie as well. All right. One and done. Who you got? Uh, Killer Keith this week. Uh, I'm getting low as I talked about last week. So I do like him here. Uh, I use most of the other guys. I I might, 
I don't know. The the site is actually down. It's going to be back up tomorrow. So for anyone following along at Gup's Corner with the one and done, uh, it's going to be back up first thing tomorrow mornings, which is the same time this pod will probably get to you. So you can go make your pick. But in that downtime, I may end up switching to RCB because now that you and I just talked about them and I like you uh, for bringing up that pick, I might. <laughs> Thanks for I liking think me, I still Tim. Have thank you, I think thank I still have them. So, so I might okay. switch to him and, and save Killer Keith. Uh, for down the road. I don't know why, but I, I like RCB here now. You got me sold on him, so I might go that route. I, I think I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to go Aaron Wise. Uh, just a guy that I think he can play well here, and I probably don't know when I'll use him again, so I'm going to go Aaron Wise. All right, so think that's did we wise? forget anything? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Probably no. not because I've been sucking ass in uh, in one and done ever since I ever since so that first time. Right to the top, and then it just goes down. I know it's crazy. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I just got rested on my laurels, got my money back plus like you know seven seven times the money that I put in, and I was like, yeah, you know what, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so you're, not, you're not the Keith Mitchell. You're not the Keith Mitchell of one and done. You're the Max Homa win. Yeah, fuck I, it, I, I no, withdraw. I'm, I'm done. I got I, my win. I'm basically, I'm basically Adam Long <laughs> of the yeah. of the one and done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I come in, win oh when no one. I'm up there on top when no one thinks I can do it, and then you never hear from me early in the again. season. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. exactly. All right, tell them where they can find you, Tamara. All right. Yeah, gupscorner.com, guys. Uh, if you're not subscribed already, we've got a promotion going on there right now uh, using promo code PGA Champ. Get signed up. You get the this week as well as you'd lean over into the PGA Championship, whether you do weekly, monthly, or annually. It doesn't really matter. But even on just the base weekly, uh, you'll get PGA Championship as well. That gives you 25% off. On Twitter, at ToeTagandTambo. If you don't have me on there, add me. Uh, and then throughout the week, if you have any questions or need anything, just DM me or hit me up on there. It's easiest. All right, so first off, make sure to leave a like and a review, a five-star rating and a review. If, if you're a fan of the pod, if we've helped you win money, if you just find us entertaining, it really helps us out. So go ahead and do that on iTunes or whatever place that you listen to the podcast on. It really helps us out. It keeps the podcast free. Um, so that's one thing you guys can do to help us out. Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at KendoVT. I put out a whole bunch of stuff there. My article's on PowerHourPod.com. You guys know where to find me. All right, guys, good luck this week. Let's win some money. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. And now during the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, all Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale with savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732.